This is Pastor Jack C. Pigeon. I want to welcome you to Living with Purpose. And this is our weekly broadcast. We hope this is a blessing to you. Like the video, share the video, let your friends know that it's out there. You know, there's a whole series. I believe this is number 26. And there's a, a long series. They're only 15 minutes long. But uh, I guarantee you that uh, it will answer some questions to some things going on in your life right now. Uh, a lot of times how we either, what we consider win or lose, it's not really in um, the, the finished product, it's in our preparation. And a lot of our preparation has to do with the way that we think. And so uh, as we are going through the study of the Bible about thinking, about our thoughts and our mind, our mind is so powerful. And uh, when we actually begin to take our mind and sync it up with the way that God thinks, there's really nothing that we can't do. I mean, the impossible becomes possible because we're no longer thinking as a carnal, earthly, fleshly being, but now I'm thinking as a spiritually minded being. And like the word says with God, nothing is impossible. I want us to go back uh, and look at Psalm chapter 119. This is one of the longest chapters in the whole Bible. And uh, some people say that David wrote it. There's some speculation as to who wrote the 119th Psalm. Um, but I want you to look at verse 113. And uh, it simply says, I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. Out of the New King James, it says, I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. And uh, as I did a little word study on that word double-minded, you know, double-minded, it gives me, when I think of double-minded, I think of a double-barrel shotgun. I think of two barrels that are equally loaded that are shooting the same thing in the same direction. But when I did a little bit of a deeper study into what that really means, to be double-minded doesn't mean that I have to be equally minded in two different areas. What it really means is, is that I am half-hearted in one of the ways that I think. Boy, that really struck me. I am only half-hearted. I'm not fully committed to what I believe in that particular area. To be double-minded doesn't mean that I have two equal thoughts on one subject. It means that I am only really half-hearted in what I really believe. And so I don't want to be half-hearted in anything that I do, when, especially when it comes to the things of God, especially when it comes to the things of faith. What the author was saying in the 119th Psalm was, and like I said, this is possibly David, David understood that men were going to change their minds depending on which way the winds of opinion were blowing. Uh, you could take one group of men, and depending who was in power, they were going to say one thing, do one thing, act one way. But when another group came into power or they were around someone else, they would then change what they believed to more match whoever was in charge at that time. They would vacillate between what they believed and what they didn't believe, not based on the Word of God, but based on what was popular at that time. And David makes that statement. He says, I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. Why did, why did he love the law? Well, because the law never changed. That's the beauty of God's word is that it's not subject to what's happening in the world today. The Bible doesn't change because of political parties in power or not. The Bible doesn't change because of what the economy is doing. The Bible doesn't change because of there's new theories or, or those types of things. The Bible is always the Bible. The Word of God is always the Word of God. It never changes. It never vacillates. 
It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's why David was saying, man, I want to love something that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want to love something that I know that I can count on. Because look, when you're double-minded, you are unstable. And we're going to get into this at some point out of James chapter 1, verse 8. But it says that a, a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. And so what David was saying was, is that I cannot put my faith in this group of people that have not fully made up their mind about what God says. I will only put my faith in the Word of God because it never changes. As we talked about a little bit last week, when we are flowing, you know, we're either carnally minded or spiritually minded, and we can be both at the same time. Um, our, our ultimate goal in, in walking with the Lord is to be 100% spiritually minded. I wish I could say that every day I get out of bed, I'm spiritually minded. I'm thinking of spiritual things, doing spiritual things, having spiritual conversations. That's not the case because I live in this world. And so I have to really fight, you know, and that's why I set aside the first part of my morning, you know, whether that's a little bit before six o'clock, I need a good 45 minutes to an hour in the word for myself reading the word, praying, going over some scriptures because I'm trying to set my mind already for the course for the day's action. If I don't get that time, then I find myself, I'm more subject to my carnal, more base thinking. It's, I'm more irritable, I'm more angry. You know, if, if you drive in traffic these days, you know, you gotta put the blood of Jesus and the full armor of God on uh, before you even leave your driveway, because it's just a whole different world that we live in now. Everything in the world that you live in today was designed by the enemy to pull whatever words in you out of you. You're going to come across people. You're going to have incidents. You know, there are people that, you know, they, that are totally carnal. And those totally carnal people, first and foremost, are selfish. And a selfish person, it's me and me only. You know, it says in 1 Timothy, that perilous times are going to come and that the number one the number one thing that distinguishes between the last days and perilous times is that men will be lovers of themselves. And so we live in a world right now where there seems to be more and more where it's this me first mentality. I'm first, me, I'm going to get mine first. I'm going to drive first. I'm going to get to the light first in traffic in school and in, in sports and everything. Well, that's the complete opposite of what Jesus tells us. You know, as a true believer, a true believer will lay down his life for his friend. You know, that is, the, that is the attitude of a believer. It's not me first, it's you first. So if I'm going to have that you first attitude, I got to make sure that I am filled with the word so that I can operate out of that spiritual stronghold so that I can walk in the earth today. Um, I want us to look at uh, Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. And this is a very familiar um, passage. This is Jesus, and he is talking with his disciples. And, uh, you know, the disciples have been with him for quite a while. And so Jesus, uh, when we come to Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse 13, it says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man am? So they, some, they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. 
Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And so, wow, you have this amazing time. Peter, man, he is locked in. He is thinking spiritually. I want you to recognize that when it comes to being spiritual, there's a couple of characteristics that flow with it. Number one, revelation knowledge. If you are going to be a spiritual person, if you're going to think spiritual thoughts, it has to come from having revelation knowledge of the Word. It's not Word. See, a carnal Christian, a carnal believer, is someone, when it talks about that they only drink the milk of the Word. See, when I give milk, like if I give milk to a baby, I have to feed that baby. That baby is incapable of feeding himself, so they have to have the milk of the Word. When I get the meat of the word, when I get revelation knowledge, that means I'm able to feed myself, but not just feed myself, I'm able to feed others. So when I am a, if I consider myself to be a spiritual person, that means that I'm not constantly going from person to person so that they can feed me. I, in turn, am able to go into the word for myself and receive nourishment, not just for me, but now I'm able to help others. I hope that makes sense. And so Peter has revelation knowledge. Jesus is like, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. This is a rhema. This is revelation knowledge. Peter, you know, you are flowing. You are, you are acting and thinking like a spiritually minded man. The very next group of scriptures, the very next group of scriptures, if you go down in verse 21, it says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, scribes, and be killed and be raised on the third day. Here we go. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful." I want you to take notice of that word, mindful of the things of God, but of the things of man. I want you to notice that Peter, in a heartbeat, in an instant, turned on a dime and went from being spiritually minded to being carnally minded. Well, how do you know he was carnally minded? Because Jesus said, you have started thinking like men. You started thinking like a man. Uh, I know we've probably mentioned this before, but a lot of times, how do I know if I'm thinking carnally? It's about self-preservation. Peter was not going to allow those things that Jesus said was going to happen to him. And let me read you. This is what, what Jesus said. Jesus said, from that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, from the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed and be raised on the third day. Peter, now not thinking spiritually, now he's thinking carnally, says, well, in the natural, there's no way, Jesus, because if you're not here, if you're not with us, that's going to affect me personally. I want you to notice that um, whenever we start thinking carnally, it's about self-preservation, but it's also associated with what the Bible calls little faith. Anywhere where Jesus used the term little faith, it was always associated with carnal thinking. It was always associated with self-preservation. What about me? What are you going to do about me? What's going to happen to me? See, Peter's cry wasn't what was going to happen to Jesus. Peter's cry was, 
what you're about to do is going to affect me and I don't like it. Therefore, I'm going to... Can you imagine pulling Jesus aside and rebuking him? I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall to see, just to see Jesus's face as you've got Peter saying, now look, now, because I'm sure Peter was pretty puffed up after what had happened just a few moments before when Jesus said, Simon, you know, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven, and on my church, on this revelation knowledge, I will build my church, and the gates of hell, Peter, will not, will not be able to withhold it. So Peter's thinking big. He's like, man, I'm moving. Notice even how maybe some pride in that moved him into that carnal thinking. See, when we start thinking, when we start taking um, credit for spiritual things, that's going to put pride in us. And when pride is there, I'm going to start thinking carnally. You cannot be prideful and think spiritually. Those two types of things don't, there's only room on the throne of your heart for one person. And so we're only going to be thinking carnally or we're going to be thinking spiritually one at a time. We can't do both. We're going to be thinking about others or we're going to be thinking about ourselves and how that flows. So Peter, in his carnal flesh, thinking, he he spoke up. And so in that moment, he had this change in the way that he thought. He went from thinking spiritually to thinking carnally. And unfortunately, it's how it it. Jesus had to rebuke him. Um, if you will look at, um, as we're kind of closing, coming to the end today, you know, we are constantly kind of flowing back and forth between carnal thinking and spiritual thinking. Um, how many times in our lives has God done something for us and met our needs and done all these wonderful things, but yet when a new crisis arises, when a new need arises, we start automatically thinking carnally of how we're going to meet that need. You know, the first thing that Adam and Eve did when they ate of the fruit, whatever that fruit was in the Bible, is they started trying to meet their own needs. They noticed that they weren't dressed, so they went in, they found leaves, they tried to sew them together, they immediately tried to start meeting their own needs. Now, up to that point, God had met all of their needs. He put them in a beautiful garden. It was filled with everything they would ever need, every food, every fruit, every animal. It was a place of ultimate luxury and beauty. But yet the first thing that happened when man fell was is that man started thinking carnally and he started trying to meet his own needs. How many times has God done a miracle for us? How many times has God been there and, and met a need? How many times have we gone to God and just said, Lord, you know, help me in this area, and he's done it every time, but yet when a new situation arises, our first thought is to how can I meet my own need? If I get a financial need, how many new jobs? Can I go get another job to help meet that need? How many other times can I go and do I need to meet this own need? How many other times do I go and get everybody else's opinion except God's opinion about something? Hey, we've come to the end of the broadcast. Uh, I'm going to be continuing with this next week. You really want to be a part of it. If you're in the Houston area, join us at West Houston Christian Center. We're, a, a, we're what I consider to be a great church. This was founded by my parents over 30 years ago, and it's been based on the Word of God, and uh, it's a good place for your family. It's a safe place to come get taught the Word of God. We would love to have you on a Sunday morning at 1030. We love you. Jesus is Lord. One of the things that really stood out to me that Pastor said was... Um, being double-minded is being half-hearted, being half-hearted in, in, in areas. And I was like, oh, man, 
So it made me think, in what ways am I half-hearted in my life or then the things of wow. God? That's where I'll know I'm being double-minded. I'm not fully convinced. And it was just like, oh, man, Lord, show me the areas where I need to. Well, yeah. well you know, Revelations, he says, either be hot or cold. Yeah. You know, don't, don't be lukewarm. Or he said, I'll spew you or your actions. I'll spew those out of my mouth. So, uh, yeah, the I think of the story about the Indian uh, chief mm-hmm. in Arizona. Missionary went and to talk to him in the tribe, and he got wonderfully saved, wonderfully saved. Mm-hmm. A year later, the missionary comes back and says, Chief, how you doing? He said, oh, me do good. But he said, I feel like I have two dogs, one on this shoulder and one on that shoulder. And he said, what happens? He said, well, one's a good dog and one's a bad dog. And he said, well, how are they doing? He said, well, the one I feed the most acts up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and that's that's being double minded. He was uh, uh, in our minds. Uh, uh, I like that, and I like Matthew sixteen. Whom do men say that I am? Mm-hmm. You either, he, as a Christian, I think we all have to say that. Whom do men? Who do men? Say, are you the Christ? Can you say he's the Christ, the Son of the Living God, or is he a? Well, he's a prophet. He's a good teacher. He was he was a good man. That's being to me. That's being double minded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was interesting since you brought up Peter, how quickly Peter went from being oh, spiritually minded two to two like, Yeah, and then <laughs> now he's thinking carnally, and I just—that's how it happens to us. I'm sure I'm, I oh. do that all the time. Oh my goodness! Some yeah. days I'll be like, "Yeah, man, things are great. I love the Lord, praying in tongues." <laughs> and the next day or whatever, I'm just like, "Oh I, man, I know it." But that—that—that's Matthew 16 is perfect. For what we're talking, Jack's talking about purpose uh, in living and in life is, uh, oh, you just feel so strong. I mean, Peter, and I mean, and Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon. Woo, mm-hmm. Pam will give you the keys to the kingdom. I mean, his pride, I mean, he just, and then he said, now that you know that revelation, I want to tell you something. We're going to go in Jerusalem. I'm going to be beaten and flogged. I'm going to be hung. I'm going to be crucified. But on the third day, I'm going to raise. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, Peter says, uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> Not on my watch. This isn't going to happen. Hey, it happens. It happens to all of us. Yeah. <laughs> but to have revelation knowledge, when you, when you, have, when you know that you know that you know, uh, and we're all working towards that. No one, no one is perfect. And, and Peter, who walked with Jesus, if he did that, how much more are we? Mm-hmm. We're going to do that where we feel strong, but you know, Second Timothy three. I love what verse fourteen. Continue in that which you've learned, in that which you are assured of, and that's that's where we are in this. Our purpose for living is it doesn't matter what's happening in the world. Like Jack said, the the word doesn't change. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 world does not change the word of God. So. As we read the word and it becomes revelation to us, we continue in what we've learned and what we're we're assured. I'm assured of the word of God. Yeah, I really like that too. The word of God does not change; it's stable. Yeah, that's the only thing that doesn't change. People people want it to change, uh, especially where we are in the world today with mm-hmm. what's going on and everything. People want to know where's God. Where's God? You know, and I, I always say, well, God's as where man has put him, kicked him out of our government. Mm-hmm. And in 63, can't pray in schools, so we kicked him out of schools. And yeah. God would love to come back in, but 
uh, he's right where we put him. Mm -hmm. Amen. Thank you, Lord.